0: Thank you so much for joining us today for our Life Point podcast. At Life Point, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Hello everybody. Third service peeps, love you guys. So glad you're here. If you're watching online with us, welcome. We're so glad you're here as well. We're so glad when you join us uh, every week um, for this is part 4 of our series Legacy. Before we jump in there, I want to say one a quick thing. Um, most of you who've been going here know that we don't. We take up the offering at the end of the service, but we never make a big pull or push or try to push anybody, manipulate anybody in any way. Once a year, uh, we don't change the rules on that. We um, have a, a special offering, which is called Legacy. Uh, our Legacy offering. It's around. It's on December the 9th, which is about six weekends from right now. And this this offering is different than our normal and offering in that it goes. Specifically to, to meet a few big needs that are going on, either in our community or one of our partners that we're, we're supporting, uh, and so we're going to do that this year with with Light Your World, this program that we do every year to help some folks that are in the margins just get some awesome stuff for for Christmas. But also this year we want to make a big difference in how we are broadcasting this service um, out there, and uh, to do that uh, we need to buy some new cameras and some new lights and stuff as well. We we are literally um, reaching literally thousands and thousands of people that never will ever come inside this door through our podcast and even through our, so- our social media presence. Uh, people, we, we get all of the uh, metrics on, on how many people listen. And it's like tens of thousands of people that download the podcast. We don't advertise it. We don't promote it. And this is all around the world, literally all around the world. And even watching on Facebook right now, we want to do a better job at that, and we want to get better at it. And part of that looks like money, right? So. Um, this is a no-pressure deal. What we're asking from you, the only ask that we're gonna give of you is that you would pray about it for your family. What would you be able to do? What would you wanna do? And, and if God doesn't lead you in any way, don't do anything at all. Seriously, we're not, we're not asking you for anything except would you pray about this with us. And let's just see what God can do. We know that God is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all we can ask or think, and he can do more uh, with the services that we have here. We do three right now, um, but he can do more with just one broadcast than we can see happen in in all of our services combined. So uh, pray about that, think about it, and we will greatly, greatly appreciate it. December the 9th is on that deal. We've been in a series called uh, Legacy, and what we've been talking about is how to live a kind of life that sort of lives on. Uh, after we're gone, that the, the things that we were attached to, the things that we gave to, the things that we were part of that were bigger than us, and they will outlast, outlive us. And so we're going to jump back in that today, and, and I want to talk today specifically about how to live a legacy life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a few names, and I just want you to think about them. When you hear these names, what's the first thing you think of? When I say the name Steve Jobs, what do you think of? Right? Like for for... For most of us who are awesome, we think about an iPhone, you know what I'm saying? Android people, you think about something different. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm messing with you. Um, If I I say the name Billy Graham, immediately stuff comes to your mind if you are familiar with him at all, right? If I say the name Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., first thing that comes to your mind, right? Significant, powerful, uh, civil rights movement, I Have a Dream, all of these amazing things that, that Dr. King left behind. How about if I say Michael Jordan, right? We think six NBA titles, greatest basketball player who ever lived. Some people would argue with that, but they'd be wrong. You know what I'm saying? They'd just be wrong. <clears throat> Mostly because he was from my generation. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, if, I, if I said the name Mother Teresa, you know, what would you think of, right? All of these people are famous people, and they have left behind a legacy that we remember them for, certain things that as soon as I say their name, you remember them for. That's, that's the power of legacy, And so, What I want us to think about today is this question that I've been wrestling with, and I want you to wrestle with it as well, Uh, and that is this, what will I be known for? When I'm I'm dead and gone, and somebody brings up my name, what are they going to say? What are they going to talk about? Somebody came to me after the second service and said, hey, I, I went around and asked people what they thought of you. And they're like, he's funny and he sings good. I was like, that's it? Come on, man. I do other things, you know. Um, She said that was the consensus amongst the people. And I was like, that's not helpful. Anyways, uh, when I'm dead and gone, I want to be remembered for certain things. And the question is, what are those things? It's a huge question, I think. And I, I think it looms larger for me the older that I get. I'm going to be 47 in a couple of weeks. And I know that some of you are older than I am, most of you are not. Um, but the answer, the older I get, the, the answer to that question looms larger. What will I be known for? And the answer to that comes from the thousands of, of tiny decisions that I will make in a lifetime. Um, what I'm broadcasting to the rest of the world by how I live and, and how I give and how I love and how I utilize the gifts and the, and the talents and the money and the spiritual gifts and. The urges, the spiritual promptings that that God gives me. What will I be known for? At one point, the Apostle Paul, writing to a church in Corinth, he says that he says of the people that he's writing to, you guys are like a letter, a living letter. An epistle is the word he used. Um, And he says, and you're going to be read by all men. And it, it started me thinking down this road. Like if my life were a letter, like a book that everybody, everything I'd done and every, every thought I had and every action I took was, was a letter that, that was, people could just open up and go, okay, let's turn it to the book of Daniel. See, there is an actual book called the book of Daniel. I yeah, just throwing that out there. Anyways, and he was way better than me though. Anyways, um, what would people see? What would they read? Scary thought for me that people could read my story like that. I, I'd like to ask you to do something if you don't mind. And some of you will, mine, and you don't have to participate. Just lean over to the person next to you and tell them the year in which you were born. Go ahead and do that real quick. Do that. Come on. Let's see it happening. Some of you are lying right now in church. Here's mine on the screen. Um, By the way, 1971, Disney World, Starbucks, and Danny were all created. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm throwing. 71, right there. Any other 71 people? Yeah, 71. That only happened once in the other two services. 71 dominated. I mean, come on, Starbucks and and Disney and Danny and Michael and other people uh, that raised their hands as well, right? Now, everybody has one of these dates. Um, Usually there's some a month and a, and a day there that's called your birthday, and we celebrate that. Most of us do until we get a certain age, and then we're like, nah, we're not talking about it anymore. Some of you have been 29 a long time now. You're not fooling anybody, you know what I'm saying? We can tell, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> now, the bad news is that there's another date that we're gonna be famous for. It's gonna go actually on our tombstone, and that's the day that we pass from this life. And nobody wants to think about that. Um, But in between your first day and your last day is where you live your life. Some people call it the dash. All of your loving and all of your living and all of your growing and all of your challenges and all of your races and all of your battles, all of that's going to be written in your letter, your book, in between those two dates. And what is written there will ultimately ultimately be what we're known for. And the life we live in in that space is what we'll be remembered for. And so the question I want to ask you is, what is your life going to be known for? We only get one of these things. Nobody gets two. What are you going to do with your one and only life? And it goes by so fast. And wise people have reflected on this for a long time. There's a, there's a, there's a psalmist in, in the Psalm, uh, 90, the 90th Psalm. And, and, and he writes this amazing thing. He's talking to God. And he says in verse 5, "You sweep away, you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They're like the new grass of the morning, though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it's dry and withered. And of course, in that part of the world, grass would spring up, and it's so dry and so hot, it would, it would wither by the end of the day. And then this incredible statement in verse 12. And as a matter of fact, I'd like you to read this together with me out loud, if you don't mind, starting with the word teach. Verse 12, ready? Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The psalmist is saying here is that life is unspeakably precious and unbelievably short. And what's amazing about us is that we don't often have the self-awareness to number our days aright so that we can have a heart of wisdom. And so we we tend to live without a heart of wisdom uh, because we don't live with the end in mind, which is what the psalmist is getting at here. We we waste these precious lives too often. On silly things, worrying about what other people think about us, and we get mad at somebody and we hold a grudge and we stew on that resentment for years and we divide families and we live, we live in fear of so often of things that never, never, never come to pass. Anxious and worried about these things. But the truth is, is this everyone will leave behind a legacy for good or for bad. It's not just the famous people that we just mentioned. We all do. We all want to know at the end of our lives that it mattered, that what we were remembered for is good. We want to do something that outlasts and outlives us, and we do that most often when we get it right through our kids and maybe through our church or some organization that we're part of or doing, doing good things in life that makes a difference in other people's worlds. It's something that makes the name and the fame of Jesus Christ better known. That's the things that outlast and outlive us. What we've been talking about through this series is that what I give to and how I live will determine much about my legacy. Psalm 112, this has been our key text throughout. The psalmist says, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely. And that's sort of part one. And the second part is that they, they conduct their affairs with justice. We're gonna come back to that word. And then in verse six, he says, surely the righteous will never be shaken and they will be remembered how long? Forever. Legacy. People who are generous, people who, who do justice, they will be remembered forever. You know, every one of us is going to leave this planet someday, and hopefully we're going to have this nice memorial service where people will lie about us, won't they? Come on. Isn't that just true? They just lie about us. Like, like he, they were, and we're prone to hyperbole at these things, you know, like they were, he was the greatest and she was the best ever and, 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 and he was the greatest th- at this and she was the best cook. Now, nobody ever told her that during a lifetime, but we say that about her after she's gone. You ever notice this? You also ever notice, you ever been to a funeral where people were, you could tell they were trying really hard to find something good to say, right? I, I've been to those, man. And what a shame that is, of course. But what if we lived a life that was extraordinary enough, even in its ordinariness, that when people said these things about us, they were actually true? I think that begs another question, which is kind of dark, I know, is what do I want people to say about me at my funeral? Kind of macabre, I get it, but I think it's a big, big question, you know, because we live in this fast-moving culture. Everything's moving. Everything. We're just running from thing to thing, and we're, we're going from this to that, and we're always on the go, and we're always looking at something, and we're never reflective, and we're not meditating enough, and we're not pondering. We're not looking up at the 30,000-foot view of life, and, and rarely do I think people stop, especially younger people, and consider what my legacy is and what I'm going to leave behind, and, but I think I think that we live in the present and we, and we live in the moment and we should do that by the way. That's a good thing but, but every now and then we, we got to get up above the clouds, above the noise and reflect what kind of life am I living in? What am I going to be known for? And, 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 and if I can live my life with the end in mind which is what the psalmist was saying that, that, that can give really good clarity to how, to how I should live today right now in this moment and it should provide this clear pathway for me to walk in and we're going to come back to that pathway thing in just a minute. When I think about what I want to be known for, what I'm going to be known for, I think about it on two levels. I think about, first of all, just the right now portion of my life, that right now, every day I'm leaving a legacy, right now. It's being shaped day by day, not just in the future, but right now. And the second part of that is, and what will I be known for when it's all said and done, when, when my life is over? The, the right now portion of my life is a bit disconcerting to me personally, because we don't really ever know what we're known for. We, we, we like to think what we're known for, but we don't really know what people think about us or, 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 or like if I passed a mic around the audience today and said, you know, let's, let's talk about, you know, what you guys think about me or what you're going to remember me by, like, that could be totally terrifying and horrifying for me right now, right? He's long winded. Uh, he talks too much about food. Um, he's kind of bald, uh, like I would leave my head like Eeyore, like hanging down, like, sorry, like Rachel, let's go. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what would happen. I don't know what you'd say, and you don't know what other people would say about you. But one thing I can tell you is that we're all broadcasting something every day, all day long. Our lives are, are, are broadcasting to the people around us messages that are shaping their images, their, their opinions, their, what we're going to be known for. And I'm not talking about strangers. I'm talking about the people that we're close to, the people that know us. You know, it used to be that only certain kinds of people had a platform, right? Politicians and the news people and authors and celebrities and public figures. But now with the advent of social media, everybody has a platform. Everybody is a public figure on, on some level. I, I can wake up in the middle of the night and I keep doing this over and over again. And, and if I want to, and if I can't sleep, I can just get my phone and look on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And I can see what some of you have broadcasted right in the moment, right? And some of you... Like some people just broadcast all day long. Like, like we didn't really want to know that. You know what I'm saying? Why do we need to know that you went to the store? Everybody goes to the store. FYI, I'm just saying, you guys know what I'm saying? And and it's not just my personal public, like my, the people closest to me. It's, it's, it's how I rub up against the world. It's how I'm broadcasting in the way that I interact with my colleagues I'm broadcasting how I handle my money and how I handle the tricky and the sort of gray areas or the moral areas of life, how I talk to my kids, how I talk to my wife. I'm broadcasting. I'm, I'm making public declarations about what really matters to me. Every single day, I'm shaping my legacy with a myriad of, uh, of decisions about how I'm going to treat people, how I'm going to love people, how I'm going to handle stuff, and where my priorities are, and, and how I spend my money. All of that is broadcasting all of the time, yes or no. right? And what I'm broadcasting daily has a, has a tricky way of dictating what my legacy will ultimately be, what I will be known for. But I'm being known for right now in part by what it is that I'm broadcasting. So what are you broadcasting? What are you saying to the rest of the world by how you live your life? I think that's important to think about in terms of legacy. What are you known for? What are you known for right now? What will you be known for? Now, I'm not saying that you should be concerned with other people's opinions of you necessarily because there will always be haters and mockers. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm saying, right? But I'm saying when it comes to legacy, what I will be known for matters, and it matters, and here's why. The Apostle Paul writing to his friends in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. Here's what he says. For we are his creation, that's, We're the invention of God created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which, by the way, those good works, God prepared ahead of time. Some translations say long ages ago, long before you were born, God prepared certain things that you were supposed to accomplish and do in your lifetime. And he finishes saying so that we should walk in them. I believe that God, I think this is what Paul is saying, is that God has created us with this goal, with this plan, with this direction in mind, and all along the way, he's created certain appointments that we're supposed to walk in and do like a script. Um, that, that that I believe has these little mile markers along the life, along life's journey, but not just sort of every year or so, but even throughout each day, there are these little appointments so that God would say, Danny, when you get to this spot, I want you to do this thing for me, because when you do this thing, it's going to help a lot of people, or when you get to this point in your day on Tuesday at 9 a.m., I'm, I'm going to have you uh, interact with this person that I'm going to absolutely put in your pathway in that very moment and you're going to leave them with an encouraging kind word that's going to change what they were thinking what they were feeling that day stuff like that all throughout your life danny i'm going to open doors and create opportunities for you that you should just walk in them and and, and along the way these there's going to be people coming to your life and you're going to do certain things and you're going to get these god ideas and they're going to change people's lives and sometimes they're going to be big and sometimes they're just going to be really small most of the time these little appointments that I created long ages ago for you to walk in. And what's scary to me is, is how many of those appointments that I'm missing along the way because I'm so consumed and so focused on me and my stuff. To the extent that I disappoint God, I, I fail to show up to the appointments that He has for my life. And that's important because. I broadcast on a daily basis, and what I'm known for in my everyday life by the decisions that I make will have an effect on my ability to actually make those appointments. Do you know why? It's tough to influence people for Christ if my life doesn't suggest that I've been influenced by him. Can I say that again? It's tough to influence people for Christ if my life doesn't suggest that I've been influenced by him. So it matters I broadcast. It matters how I live my everyday life. The, the second part of this is that when it's all said and done, what will I be, what will I be known for? And, and the best way I can tell it is like this. And, and I've told this story on many occasions and it's just the best, the best story I've ever seen for this situation. Several years ago, my wife and I were working at a church in Houston and we hadn't been there very long when this woman that I had never met um, passed away. Her name was Molly Thompson, and I had met her husband once. Um, and the significant thing about these people were that, that many, many years prior, they, they, had, they had gone to the nation of Colombia. I'm talking about like in the 30s, because they, they were very, very old, elderly. And, and they'd gone there and they'd become what was considered at the time pioneer missionaries, meaning they'd gone to parts of the country that no missionary had ever been before. And so here we are at her funeral. We've never met her. We've never, we hadn't even gotten to go by the casket yet. We've never seen her. And I noticed there was probably 100 people in the room, large, large auditorium. And I'm looking around and realizing I don't know much of these people. These people don't go to our church. Who are these people? And then I realized in, in the moment that this was a couple of dozen or so people from the nation of Columbia who on their own dime, their own expense with money they did not really have, had flown from Columbia to Houston to honor Molly, and I was wondering why. I mean, it's been a long time since she was there. And at some during the course of the funeral, they were invited to come to the front and share a word about Molly. And we sat there kind of in this, this stunned silence as one after another they came and took the microphone. And I could get emotional just thinking about it now. And, and one of them said, I remember Miss Molly came to our village She heard that I was sick. And on this particular occasion, she said that she actually had to kind of ford a a rain-swollen river to get to us. And she came there and and sat by my bed for days at a time and wiped my brow and wiped the fever. And then this person would go back. Thank you, Molly, for a life well lived. And then another person would come and say, and Miss Molly came to our place, she heard we didn't have clothes, and so she gathered clothes up, and she came to where we were so that my kids could have clothes, so that we could have clothes. And another would come up and say something like, hey, we didn't have any groceries, we didn't have nothing to eat, and Miss Molly heard about it, and she showed up to our town, to our place, and she came and brought food. One after another, after another, after another. Not, Not crazy things. Just simple acts of kindness over and over to the extent that, that even though Molly wasn't famous to any of us, she was their most famous person because of how her life had intersected with theirs and had changed their lives and made such a difference to the extent that they would fly with money they don't have to honor her. And I went away from that thinking, man, I want that. My wife and I talked about it on the way, way home. How, how do you live that kind of life? How do you live a kind of life where people come at your funeral to say what a difference you made in their lives? I think there's a couple things that we can think about. If I I, I was going to leave that kind of legacy, how how would I go about that? What would I need to do? I think it starts with this big idea here, number one, that I have to start with the end in mind. And then I have to work backwards from there. That's just a A Practice of Highly Effective People. Stephen Covey wrote his book, The Seven Practices of Highly Effective People. And he says that one of their habits is that effective people start with the end in mind and work backwards from there. They don't go, what are we going to do? They get the big picture. They catch a vision and they start at the vision and go, what do we need to do backwards to get to the vision? And this is what Stephen Covey says about this. He says, to begin with the end in mind means to start with a clear understanding of your destination, a big picture vision of, in this case, of your life, of leaving a legacy. What would that look like? He says, and it means to know where you are so that you better understand where you are now so that the steps you take are always in the right direction. Wow. This is what the psalmist was getting at when he says, teach us to number our days aright that we may live with hearts of wisdom, that we can walk through this this crooked, crazy world wisely, to not waste one of these precious days that we've been given, to know God's plan for our lives. The Bible says it's his good and pleasing and perfect plan, his will for our lives. That's what the Bible teaches us. What will I be known for? What I'm saying is that when we're not living our lives with the end in mind, we will often live small and selfish little lives, and if not small and selfish, then fearful and afraid to really live our lives for Christ in a way that makes a difference. Secondly, there is a certain level of stewardship that is involved with how I live my life meaning that I have to become a good steward of my life. And when we think of stewardship, we often think of money, of course. But it's way, way beyond money. Matter of fact, I would argue it's more important that you think about life in this way. That that, that this is an essential part of life that can't be overlooked, that every day is precious precious, and and valuable. In, In Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells a parable that we call the parable of the talents. Uh, Jeremiah preached so well about that last week. If you missed it, go listen to that podcast. But Jesus starts this story like this in Matthew 25. He says, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. And and verse 15, and I didn't put it on the, in your notes, but I just want to read it to you. It says, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And if you have you're taking notes underlying that each according to his ability, meaning one guy got five bags because that was his capacity, one guy got two because that was his capacity, one guy got one because that was his capacity. That we all have varying degrees of capacity and we're responsible only for our capacity, right? And it goes on to say that the guy with five went out and made five more because that's the kind of guy he was. And the guy who, went out, who had two, he went out and made two more and he doubled what he had. And, and, and Jesus says that the guy comes home and says, good job, well done, well done. But the one guy, he buried his bag of gold in the dirt. He had this savings mindset. I'm just gonna save this here. While the other two had an investment mindset, he had a savings mindset. And at the end of the story, we learn that the master says to him, you wicked, slothful servant. Now, it's a, it's a strange thing to say about a guy who didn't go out and blow it on gambling or riotous living or partying out, who didn't risk it in some Ponzi scheme and lose it. But he's called wicked because he had a savings mindset and not an investment mindset. And that's what the parable of the talents is about. Risking what you have risking what you've been given, um, to get more, right? It's playing to win. Can you see the difference? Like some of us, we have teams that, that like the Cowboys who, when they get a lead, which is rarely the case that they, they start to play like cautious and soft, kind of like their head coach. But anyways, uh, hopefully he doesn't watch this anyways. Um, if you do tithe anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I love, 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 love loving, but I see this over and over again, and oftentimes we end up losing the game because we went into a prevent defense, which is like preventing us from winning. That's all I'm saying. I got a problem. You know, I'm a little angry about it, but we're not playing to win. We're playing not to lose. There's a big difference there. And some of us are living our lives that way. And our enemy would love nothing more than our ultimate goal as a believer is just not to sin and to play it safe and live this nice, cozy little Christian bubble-wrapped life. But doing nothing wrong isn't the same as doing the right thing. At the end of the day, the Bible says we're gonna all have to give account of our lives. I don't know if you know that, but someday, and this is not a fable. You and I are going to stand before our maker to give an account for every part of our lives, an account of the stewardship of our lives. What did you do, Danny, with the gifts that I gave you? What did you do with the talent, the opportunities that I opened, the doors that I opened for you, the money I gave you, the spiritual urges that I gave you? What what are you going to say to God in that moment? What am I going to say to God in that moment as I give account for my life? And here's the grace part of that is that God designed you to be you, which is why Jesus says each was giving what they had according to their ability, right? Meaning that when my life is over, he's not going to ask me why I wasn't more like Moses, right? Why why couldn't you be more like Moses, Danny? Or why couldn't you be like Billy Graham or T.D. Jakes or or Mother Teresa? He's called me out of a life of sin right, to a life of flow in his grace. He's gifted me to make a difference at the level that I've been called to make the difference at. That's it. That's the grace in it. What am I going to be known for? What will people remember me by? And what will I be held account for at the end of my life? Today, we're just pondering that question. To to answer the question of what am I going to be known for, I have to arrive at what the most important things are in life. Because the truth is, is, we spend a lot of our time on things that don't matter. We do. Will I be known as a man of compassion? Will I be known as a generous person who helped those who had need? Will I be known as a loving father or a harsh father? Will I be known as a faithful husband who honored my wife? Will I be known as a, a person who would do anything he could to help somebody in need? Will I be known as, as like a real follower of Jesus? Not a cultural Christian, but like a real follower of Jesus. But I don't know about you, but I feel like I need a roadmap to get this done. Like, like is there some passages of Scripture, Danny, where... It's just really clear, like if you just do this, this is you're gonna leave a a, a good legacy. I think I found two at least. The first one I love, it's in Romans 12. And 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 look at this on the screen with me. Here's what it says, and I just love this. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Like we just started with that one. And he says, hate what is wrong. Meaning, When you see injustice in this world, when you see people being mistreated, do something about that. And at the same time, he says, in the other hand, hold tightly to what is good. When there are things in this world that are good and wholesome and holy, fight for those things. Doesn't matter what culture says, fight for good things. And then back to the first line love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. In a, in, a, in a country where we take delight in dishonoring one another. No, no, no. Let's be different. Let's give honor to where honor is due. Let's give honor. Let's, let's take delight in giving honor to one another. Like, like if you could just get this right. That, that's your roadmap. map. But, but I think I have another one that's even That's even clearer. This is an Old Testament minor prophet, minor because they didn't write as much, minor because they weren't as famous and weren't as known known as well. Micah chapter six, verse eight, the the only famous verse in all of the book of Micah. He has shown you, O mortal or O man, other translations say, what is good. And and what does the Lord require of you? And isn't that really what we really just wanna know? Like boil it down. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly. Would you say this with me? To act justly. To love mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is when when I deserve punishment. I deserve bad things to come my way. But the person who has control of that says, you know what? No. I'm going to show them mercy. I'm going to give them something they don't deserve. and, and, And even better, I'm not going to give them what they actually do deserve. Thirdly, and to say it with me, walk humbly with your God. Now, n- Notice the oh man part. He's talking about you. Not, not as a group. He's talking about you individually. He's talking about me. He has shown you, oh Danny, what is good and what he requires of you like, like God's saying, hey just from from the get-go, I, I don't want you wondering like what matters most to me. I, I, I know there's a lot of words in that book we call the Bible and I know a lot of people will tell you all these various things that, that is most important to but I want to bottom line it for you. out of my mouth, here's what matters most. number one to love and to do justice. The Greek word or the Hebrew word is mishpat. And it means judgment or God's wisdom or God's law or God's judgment. And, and, and what it would be impl- implicit in that for us is that, that there would be fairness and fair play and equity within the human family. Is, is there fairness and fair play in the human family right now all across the board? No. No, there's not. When, when you read the text... There are nine words associated with this word justice in the Bible. Nine words, and I'm going to give them to you now, okay? Widows, the fatherless, orphans, poor, hungry, strangers, which would be immigrants, needy, weak, and the oppressed. For some reason, I can't make that finger. <laughs> it just won't go any further than that. Has anybody got that going on in their lives? I don't know Why? It's really weird now that I'm looking at it, kind of taken away from the point. Let me stop about my finger. And in other words, to do justice means that we should think about, we should worry about, we should take action around areas where there are widows, fatherlessness, orphans, poor, hungry, immigrants, the needy, the weak, and the oppressed, that we look and engage in areas and with people who are making a difference with those people. I don't think it can be clearer than that. That this is what we should be part of. That we should make sure. We can't be part of all of this. But that we find one of these things where it makes our heart beat faster when we do it. And we say, "That's I'm going to put my effort. I'm going to put my money. I'm going to put my time. I'm going to put my thinking around one of these areas. So that we are to work for fairness um, to people who are in the margins. The people who have nobody fighting for them. God says, hey, I want you to fight for them. So, as you walk out today, there are baskets on either side of the wall. We have a lot of homeless people in our city and they're gonna be cold here in a few days. And we're asking you to do justice with us. Bring gently used blankets and clothes and, and, and warm, warm jackets. But really what we want is jackets, uh, sweaters, sweatshirts, and blankets. If you have some in your house, you wanna go out and buy some, Bring them, and we're going to get them to those folks. Also, on your way out the door, there are little orange bags, and every year we do this thing called Fill-A-Bag where we adopt families at Hupperts Elementary and we adopt families at Agora uh, Ministries, which is this ministry that we love, and the folks who lead it are just amazing, amazing human beings, and they're making such a difference in the downtown area, and we're just going to support them. We're going to bring food bags with complete Thanksgiving meals to them for them to distribute. Like, we're not trying to be the heroes. We want them to be the heroes. They're the ones down there working. We we used to put our name on these bags and we're like, what are we doing that for? Let's put an insert, a a card about them, about Agora, about Hubbard's Elementary. Let's let them be the heroes. We're not the heroes. We're just part of the story, right? And then at Christmas time, we're gonna get you involved in ways that we've never gotten you involved before and light your world. We're gonna do things a little different this year and Light Your Word is this project we do to help folks who really, really need some help and some hope at Christmas time. We can do justice. like we don't, there's no excuse, you and I, we can do justice. As we walk out of this room, we can do justice. And then the next part is to love mercy, and I've already explained that to you. But then this last part, just quickly. we, we walk humbly with your God. The word "walk" is, is slow. It's, it's deliberate. It's a pace. You walk. The Bible says of this guy named Enoch in the book of Genesis, that Enoch was not, for God took him, meaning he, he just disappeared, for God took him, and he had this testimony. Hebrews says he had this testimony that he pleased God, or, that, or rather, that he walked with God. Like some of us want to run in sprints with God, but Enoch just measured slow day by day. I'm on walk with God. And then he says to walk humbly not full of myself, not preoccupied with self, sacrificing my busy, often self-centered life and focus on somebody else other than me and mine to make a difference there. And then if you have your notes, you circle your God. This isn't the God of your parents or the God of your grandparents or the God of your neighbor. This is your God, the God who formed you, the God who created you, the God who sent his only son to die for you. The God who says that I'll walk with you in the valley of the shadow of death. The God who says I'll climb on the mountain with you. I'll go wherever you're going. I'll walk with you. Walk with me. Let's do life in a slow and deliberate pace. I do my life with my God. I love justice. I do justice. I love mercy. And I walk humbly with my God. And that guarantees life of legacy. Can you see that? I think about legacy on a few levels. I think about it as a dad. I want to create I have two girls, 15 and 12 and I want to create, I know I'm too I look too young to have kids that old, I know. (laughs) That's funny. I, I want to create magic moments. I want them to know to the core of their being that that their father loves them. I want to teach them all I know about money and about life and about loving, about boys. Mostly just stay away from them. I want to teach them how a man should treat his wife. How a man should respect and honor his wife and in in return. I, I don't always get it right, but this is what I'm thinking about these days. I think about The legacy of faith that I want to leave for my girls, like that they would love and serve God all the days of their lives. You know what? I I want that more for them, far more for them than I want for them success in sports or education or a career. Far more for them than that. I want them to know and love and follow Jesus. Like that's what matters most to me. Billy Graham says that the greatest legacy that one can pass on to one's children is not money or or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. That's what I want. I think about my legacy as a husband. I think about the fact that when I signed up for this marriage deal, I signed up to be a servant, not to lord it over my wife. To share what I have, I promised that we'd laugh together, and, and cry together, and dance together. I promised that when we fought, we'd fight fair, and we'd make it clean through on the other side. I promised that our love would would grow deeper than than crow's feet and laugh lines and and, and receding hairlines and bulging waistlines. And guys, stuff happens to us too, you know. what I'm saying. I just wrecked you guys tonight. I? I wrecked the moment. But, 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 but the, the bottom line is that I'll be there with her all the way through. Loving, supporting, believing, and holding, laughing all the way through. I think about legacy as it relates to God and what he put me on earth to do. And maybe even more importantly, who he called me to be. And I don't want to get that right. And the best way I can express that is the way that Paul expressed it to Timothy, his son in the gospel. In 2 Timothy 4 and 7, he says, I fought a good fight. I I finished the race. And I have kept the faith. And henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord will give to me on that day. That Paul's legacy was faithful. at the end of the day, it matters a little bit to me what you think of me. But I'll tell you what's most important to me is not what you think of me or what's written on my tombstone someday. It's that I hear those words from him when I meet Jesus for the very first time that I hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's legacy that i want to leave behind well done what type of legacy will the current choices and the current priorities of your life what will they produce think about that for a moment how you handle your money how you handle your relationships how you handle the people in your life how you handle your morality what is going what legacy are you going to leave behind and if you're not comfortable with the answer then what rearranging do you need to do what shifting of priorities need to happen in your life I want to give you a moment to think about that would you just bow your heads and just close your eyes for just a moment think about that the current pathways of your life Father God, we just we just invite Your presence in this in this moment. Would You speak to us, God? Even right now, as Your Spirit is knocking on our hearts, whispering, "Pay attention! Pay attention!" God, what is it that You need? me to shift and move and rearrange in my life God I don't I don't earn my salvation I, I couldn't I couldn't possibly earn it I don't earn your love I don't earn your favor but I do believe that on some level what I do in this life matters in eternity that what I do in this life has something to say about what I hear those that first time I meet you And what I want most for these people is that they would hear, well done, good and faithful servants, that they would receive the crown of righteousness that you have for them that you would just lead us, lean into us right in this moment. What do I need to change? What do I need to correct? What do I need to change right now in my life? I pray that you give us the strength and the courage to know what we ought to do, that you'd give us the big picture view of our lives, that we would begin with the end in mind, no matter where we are, no matter how old we are, that we would see the time that remains for us, the big picture of that, And then if we can't get clarity, then we would just focus to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. I pray these things in the powerful, the precious, the matchless name of Jesus. And can I get a good amen? Amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today.